Oddball Podcast Halloween Special. It's the Great Eldritch Horror, Andrew Cooper. The Brightwell Podcast is brought to you by viewers like you. If you'd like to help out production, go to patreon.com slash empty square to become an official backer. Happy Halloween, everyone. Now, I know what you're thinking. I've been following Brightwall for about a year now, and it's such a horrifying amalgamation of all your deepest and darkest fears. How is a Halloween episode going to differ from the current waking hell you currently find yourself in on a daily basis? And that's a good question. What makes this one so goddamn special? Well, Halloween is an important time in Brightwall. I mean, the people who live here don't think so, but I did a little bit of research. That's what I do. I like to do research. No, I didn't date in high school. How did you guess? And I wanted to know how Brightwall celebrates Halloween. We saw how they celebrated Christmas last year. They don't so much. And I thought maybe because everything was just so unique, let's say, maybe they lean into the weird shit, make Halloween their time. And I thought, hey, I got nothing else going on. Nothing's currently chasing me, hunting me, chewing me, or suing me. That's not a Brightwall special thing. I'm just a deeply unlikable person. I thought it'd be fun to take an episode to talk about a little side story. See, so many things go on in Brightwall that I can't possibly get to all of them. Or they're fairly short and solved rather quickly that I can't really devote an entire season to their case like I could with Danny or the Dead Space Network. But I figured that since this is thematically appropriate, I could do with a quick one-off episode. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this tale... It's the Great Eldritch Horror, Andrew Cooper. <laughs> During the Danny investigation, I got word of a small, let's call them kerfuffles. Strange noises and disturbances, a rash of disappearances and abductions, a series of multicolored lights emanating from a small farmhouse just inside the town's city limit, about 30 minutes away. I don't know exactly what they were farming, because the land pretty much everywhere here is deader than Dillinger. Initially, I brushed these stories off, as I was pretty focused on the Danny issue. But it wasn't until I put some real research into it that these things became interesting. See, there were similar stories about this very same plot of land exactly 27 years ago. Everything was the same. The same sounds, disappearances, matched the same circumstances. Hell, even the colors were the same. Now, Brightwall is filled with a bunch of random nonsense, but something that worked on a schedule? That was worth checking into really quick. Before I left, I tried to get some locals' view on the strange goings-on, but as per usual, I got the same mix of confusion and apathy. So I took to the books. Now, we all remember how messed up the library is, and all of the books aren't, you know, real. But deep inside the secret library, inside the main library, I found one of the History of Brightwall books, written by noted Brightwall historian Cassandra Van, or Casey for short. Now, this book has been absolutely invaluable to me over the course of this investigation. I don't know where I'd be without it. So if you're listening right now, somewhere in the world, Casey, thank you very much. According to her, this goes back even further. It wasn't just 27 years ago. It was 27 years ago. And also 54 years ago. And 81 years ago. And 108 years ago. Always on Halloween. And it went back as far as anybody could remember. No one ever checked it out. But they were completely aware of it. They said for a while people treated it like it was some sort of event. They would all camp out around the farmhouse at a safe distance, I suppose, and watch the lights go. Kind of like the Aurora Borealis. But way more disturbing, what with all the screaming and implied death. She wrote eventually that it all became too much and people lost interest in it over generations. And now it was more of a ghost story than anything. 
When I asked around to see if anybody had actually gone into that house, I was told that a lot of people had tried, but nobody had ever made it back, and they were never seen or heard from again. So no one could verify anything that went on in that house. And no one really wanted to try anymore. And if a few people disappeared in order to continue relative peace, apparently that's how it was going to be. That led me to my first crossroads. I needed to figure out what was going on down there. Especially if it had been going on for so long that it became a tourist trap for a couple of years before people realized that that was weird. But the fact that no one had been able to come in or out alive with this information gave me a bit of pause. But I had seen horror movies before, and this was how dumb white people die. By sticking their noses into haunted stuff that didn't want noses in it. I thought about it for a while, but my mind was made up the second I heard about this story. Yeah, I was going to this place. During its haunted period. It's way too cool a story to pass up. And besides, it was probably nothing anyway, so let's go verify the nothing. Halloween night, I waited until the sun went down before heading out. Partly because I wanted to see the lights as clearly as possible, and partly for... well... Ambiance. Who am I kidding? There's no public transportation system in Brightwall whatsoever. No buses, no taxis, or Uber to speak of. So I had to ask around a little bit to see if anybody wanted to drive up there with me. And wouldn't you know it, everyone said absolutely not, never talk to me again. Which I thought was a little extreme, but I guess I'm not a man of the people like I thought I was. Even Max, who seemed excited that someone was going to figure these things out, turned me down. Which in retrospect was probably a good thing, because I don't trust that guy to walk, let alone drive a car. So walking it was. Like I said, Brightwell is a very small town, so it only took me about 30 or 40 minutes to actually make it there. And where there was, was just kind of some guy's farmhouse. Rather large, two stories, a barn out in the back to the right. A gigantic piece of land, though, that's for sure. But it looked as though it had been abandoned for years. No tire tracks, no footprints. I was surprised the whole thing wasn't wrapped in one giant cobweb. Nothing had grown on this land for decades. It's basically sawdust. It didn't look particularly interesting, but at this point I was already here and I was in it to win it, so I decided to make my way inside and make myself at home, I guess. But walking on the ground felt difficult. It's a bit hard to explain, but it was like the ground itself was moving a little bit. Bubbling up like walking on boiling water. It was very subtle and in the end I didn't really notice it. A bunch of moles maybe underground, I guess? I didn't really question it too much, but I made my way inside the house at the end of the laneway. The first thing I noticed upon making it into the front door was that the temperature dropped 15 degrees from the end of the laneway to the front door, enough to send chills down your spine and spike my anxiety a little bit. This whole place was definitely giving off the you should not be here vibe, but I convinced myself that it was just nerves getting to me, and I was putting way too much stock into the stories that I had heard before this. Things were going to be okay. They always were. The stairs to the porch were rickety. The porch itself had nails penetrating out through the decades-old wood. It smelled like leaves and empty paint cans. I tried the door, but it was either locked or stuck. The window next to it, while closed, was also broken, so I could probably find my way through there if I had to. I took a second to ruminate on the fact that I had now broken and entered into way more buildings and homes than I ever thought I would have to. And ruminated further on the fact that, honestly, I was getting pretty good at it. I should probably find a way to put it on my resume once all this was said and done. But with a little bit of force and some sturdy shoes, I managed to bust my way through the door. Whoever had been here before me had boarded up the door shut. From the inside. Nailing it to the wall, but time had rotted it away to the point where I could just bust through it. That was disconcerting on several levels. What could they possibly have wanted to keep out that badly? 
evidence was starting to pile up in ways that I wasn't exactly thrilled with, but I had to press on. After all, I was in it to win it. Now, everybody listening right now, close your eyes. Unless you're driving, in which case, for Christ's sake, keep your eyes open. And picture what you think of when you hear the word haunted house. Dusty floor, cobwebs in the fireplace, gigantic painting hanging over the said fireplace, but it's crooked for some reason. The wind howling through the cracks in the wood that sound exactly like the Crypt Keeper from that old HBO show. Yeah, this is the place. Honestly, it was so cliche that I had to laugh a little bit. You can open your eyes now, by the way. It was like somebody tried to stuff every haunted house cliche they could into one room. Like somebody had reached into my brain, scooped out my memory of scary houses I had seen in my life. I went over to the fireplace, because if you're going to hide evidence somewhere, it's going to be in the fireplace. And I searched around it a little bit. This thing hadn't been used in decades. It hadn't been cleaned in several more decades. The soot and ash caked on the mantle was at least an inch thick. I felt around for anything sort of out of place or a hidden trigger that would spin the entire thing into a different room like the movie Clue. But nothing, it was just a stupid normal fireplace. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit disappointed. That's a terrible thing to think. I don't even know what I wanted here. Caught in between wanting to be safe and wanting to make some amazing discovery. I backed into one of those old armchairs in front of the fireplace and sat down for a second and immediately left back up because something stabbed me directly in the butt. An old spring, I guess? I was going to need a tetanus booster when I got out of here, I thought. I looked closer to see what it was. It wasn't a spring, but I did see a gigantic piece of metal shine through the fabric. I started ripping through the chair just to get at what was inside of it. And inside of it was a small ornamental dagger sticking right out of the chair. It had pierced it deep enough to draw blood. I watched the small drop of blood flow down the blade to make contact with the hilt. And then it seemed to be absorbed by it. As the drop became fully enveloped, the dagger began to glow bright white. I began repeating out loud, put it back, 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 over and over again, but apparently that didn't help. As the light began to grow brighter and brighter, the dagger began to vibrate, pulsing with an energy like a rocket about to take off. A ringing began emanating from the dagger. I wanted to drop it to the ground, but I couldn't. I was transfixed. Then it began to float, supernaturally suspended in midair. It began to rise from my hand, pointing straight up. The glow began to focus at the point of the dagger, becoming like a flashlight or a laser pointer. It found a spot to stay, and it glowed. And the glow shone through the ceiling, through a pinpoint hole that I hadn't even noticed before. I ran outside through the front door and looked above the house, and there it was, shone like a beacon or a lighthouse. I stood there struck dumb at what I was seeing. And then the colors began to change, from bright white to deep red to blue to green. No pattern, no consistency in how long they stayed. Random lights just shot out through the roof. This had to be for something, right? This doesn't just happen. Then I could feel the ground begin to rumble. A rhythmic beat. One, two, one, two. Felt like somebody was playing the earth like a drum. I tore my vision away from the lights to see what was behind me. And then I saw it. An army. It had to be. Several dozen, maybe even hundreds of people shrouded in cloaks. They came in like a wave and I was going to drown. I was the vice president of panic and the president was missing. I ran into the house with no certainty that it was going to save me whatsoever, but it was a whole lot better than swimming through the crowd. I ran back through the door and stormed upstairs. At least this way I could get a better look. Also, BT dubs, avoiding the upstairs when I first got here was a great idea because there were so many holes in the floor, I wondered for a second if I could legally still call this a floor. When does floor stop becoming floor and start becoming hole? Yes, I was aware I was in mortal danger, but sometimes these thoughts won't leave your brain. I watched as the crowd crested the clearing. 
and then they began to surround the house. The house I was inside. I couldn't catch a look at any of their faces, but I was pretty sure that it was more people than Brightwall had inside of it at any one time. This was a vacation destination for high school goths who never grew up. And there sure were a lot of them. And they didn't seem to be coming inside the house itself, so maybe I could call that a positive. I could see the pinpoint of light through the floor. The color changes had gotten quicker. It may stay on a color for only about half a second now, like it's gearing up for something, revving up like a car engine. Then it gets faster. The house is surrounded now. I can't see the other side. All the cult members have put themselves into tight quarters, shoulder to shoulder, holding hands with the people beside them. I could hear the whirring of the dagger, the vibration, or whatever noise it was making was getting louder and louder, faster and faster, in time with the light, eventually reaching a macabre crescendo, a piercing noise like a dental drill, and a blinding orange light radiated out from all of the orifices of the house. I snuck a look outside one more time. They all raised their hands, still clasped with one another. Then I could hear something. Different from the whirring of the dagger. It was something human. Voices. It was more melodic. Were they chanting? No, they were singing. I couldn't make out the words. I, I can't even tell you if it was English. But it was slow. A dirge of some kind. It felt ancient. I thought I would be afraid, but if anything, it felt calming. Like a lullaby sung to you by a mother who knew she wasn't long for this world. It was soothing and it was sad. Their low monotone voices somehow conveyed intense emotion. As the song came to a close, one of the members broke ranks, stepped towards the front door. He dropped to his knees and said something. I had to open the window slightly to be able to hear. He said, To the All Mother, we thank you for our gift. We thank you for our life. Let your sacrifice never be in vain. On this, our Halloween night, we ask you to remain asleep. He repeated that last line, we ask you to remain asleep, over and over again. And then the entire group repeated it. It became a chant. As they chanted, I noticed something. Remember how I said earlier that it was difficult to walk on the ground because of the constant shifting? Well, I had gotten used to the subtle movements, but now the movements weren't so subtle. The light boiling of the ground became a rolling boil, rapidly. I grabbed onto anything around me to keep myself steady. It was like an earthquake where every single piece of earth was moving in a different direction. I was afraid the house itself would come crashing down. This thing is old. I don't think it can hold up to this kind of distress. The cult began chanting louder and louder, more fervent. It wasn't working. Think of a plan B, guys. There was panic in their voices. Why was there panic in their voices? I wanted to curl up into a ball and wait for it all to be over, but I had to see what was going on. So I kept looking at the window. Their hands were clasped together, encircling the house, chanting the same chant. The one facing the front door was almost orchestrating the whole thing, trying to get everybody's voices to slow down, to remain calm. We were way past calm, sir. We have entered into full-blown pants-wetting panic. As the chanting increased, its speed and determination, I noticed the whirring of the dagger in the other room became louder. Like that engine revving up, it was taking off. Then the house began to rise just a little bit, but I could feel it. The house in its entirety rise up about a foot from where we were. I grabbed onto the windowsill to keep myself from falling as we tipped backwards ever so slightly. I looked outside towards the cult, and the one in the middle was horrified. His face had gone white and sickly. His voice was cracking. 
Some of the cult members began to look as though they were about to run, but they were attached to people beside them who refused to let go of their hands. The house started rumbling and squeaking, and then a red wash of light began to slowly creep over the cult members. Sounds like two rocks rubbing together, louder than anything I had ever heard in my entire life. I felt like my ears were going to burst inside out. Was it talking? Whatever was happening, I was going along for the ride. The chanting became out of sync, loud and screaming. They were about as worried as I was. The house stopped rising. The red lights stared over the crowd. It was looking at something. Something was under the house. Whatever it was, it was huge, immense, all-powerful. It felt like if it wanted to, it could end each and every one of us by stepping in the wrong place. It may be hiding under this house, but I had an inclination that it was larger. Much larger. The red light washed over the entire group in front of it, centered on the man in the middle for what seemed like an eternity, and it waited. And it waited. Silence. The chanting had stopped. Nothing but the whirring of the dagger could be heard. Waiting. Waiting for the red light to dim. The light began to grow dark. The house began to settle back down. With a gentle thud and a light shudder, the constant moving and creaking of the floorboards had stopped. It was at rest. Whatever it was. The crowd of cult members looked around a bit shocked. They all sort of looked around each other, seemingly in relief. They let go of one another's hands and walked away in different directions. Their task, whatever it was, had finished. The show, it appeared, was over. I could hear the dagger clatter to the floor, and I thought long and hard about taking it with me, but I thought to myself, whatever this thing was, I didn't want to be on its bad side, and so I wasn't going to start stealing its shit. I waited until the coast was clear, and then I ran. Far away, back to my hotel room. And if I never have to, I'm never going back. I haven't found out what all that meant yet. I don't know who the cult is, or what they want, or honestly, even if they're a cult at all. I mean, it seemed kind of culty, but I'll never know for sure. Halloween really is an important time in Brightwall. But not for the reasons I figured. I may never truly understand them. I suppose you could call this a happy ending. When you think about it deep down, maybe it's just the story of somebody putting an angry toddler back to sleep. We have a couple years before we have to worry about it again at any rate, and who knows what'll happen then. Sometimes I still think about that night. Late in the evening or early in the morning when I'm trying to go back to sleep. It's the not knowing that bugs me the most. The not knowing what that was, what it could have done to us, how dangerous it is, whether or not it's okay whether or not it's the only one, where it came from. Sure, it's only woken once every 27 years so far, but who's to say it doesn't make a change? And what will happen if its family's not there to keep it quiet? What did it need with my blood? And sometimes, just sometimes, when I'm walking down the street or on a dirt road somewhere, I can feel it. The ground boiling beneath my feet. Just a little bit, but I can swear it's there. True story. And I swear, as long as I live, no matter how long I've been in this town, I don't think I'll ever understand what makes this place tick. Just when I think I've got all the answers, it changes the question. Happy Halloween. This concludes our broadcast day.